0: which makes me feel even better about my decision to be part of the ButcherBox community. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential: three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips, for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, get twenty plus get twenty dollars off your first order. That's right. New users will receive their choice of 2 pounds of ground beef, 3 pounds of chicken thighs, or 1 pound of premium steak tips for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash Morning Cup and use code MORNINGCUP to choose your free offer and get $20 off. The new year is here, which means it's time to start new habits and make those yearly resolutions. Mine this year was to get healthier and improve my quality of life, which is why I want to talk to you guys about Noom. Most weight loss plans are one-size-fits-all and don't take into account each person's individual needs, which in turn doesn't really set you up for success. Those workout plans you pull from the internet don't think about your individual dietary restrictions, medical issues, or other personal needs. Noom does all of that before building a tailor-made plan that works for you and your lifestyle. It doesn't try to restrict what you eat and never shames you for wanting to treat yourself. And unlike before, I feel the motivation I need to succeed and none of the frustration that came with other plans. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com. That's n-o-o-m.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, *The Noom Kitchen*, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy wherever books are sold. There were two more murders, 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a. Okay. scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Cup of murder. One wrong move can completely hinder a case. On January 20th, 1982, a young woman went missing in a case that saw police focus all of their attention on one theory. A move that, in the eyes of many, is the reason the case remains unsolved to this day. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled... Sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. On a rainy January 20th, 1982, a 19-year-old hairdresser named Lisa Ao left the salon in Kailua at 9:45 p.m. and made her way to an apartment in Makiki. Lisa, who was dating a University of Hawaii student named Doug Holmes, made a quick stop at a grocery store to grab some food before meeting with everyone at his sister's apartment. Not really staying there for very long, and despite the torrential downpour outside, both Lisa and Doug separately left the hangout at about 12.20 a.m., and while he went back to his dorm room with no issue, Lisa never made it back home to Kailua. When Lisa's roommate and co-worker, Candy Maines, noticed that her friend never made it back home, she called Lisa's parents to let them know that she still had not shown up to work. Absolutely sick with worry, they wasted no time trying to track down their daughter. Their first call was to Doug, who, as far as they knew, was the last person to lay eyes on Lisa. When he said he didn't know where she was, saying the last time he saw her or heard from her was when they said their goodbyes that night at his sister's apartment, he volunteered to drive the roads and try and find his missing girlfriend. While doing so, Doug made a shocking and absolutely terrifying discovery. Parked on the side of the highway in Maunawele, near the old drive-in, was Lisa's abandoned vehicle, one that, upon further inspection, appeared to be flooded with a good two to three inches of rainwater. Driver's side window rolled about halfway down. Though the seats were soaked, Lisa's purse, left untouched, was lying relatively dry on the passenger seat. The only thing missing, as far as he could tell, was the driver's license she had gotten just two days earlier. Calling the police to report his discovery, the officers who arrived at the scene expressed concerns that the purse was placed onto the seat after the brutal rain came to an end. They also noticed what appeared to be evidence of the car being, quote, wiped clean of evidence, and a battery drained by both the parking lights and the windshield wipers being left on. When charged, however, the car started up with no real issue, ruling out the possibility that Lisa pulled over due to any car trouble and making investigators wonder why she left her car running on the side of the road and did not phone for help nor walk the short distance to her parents' home or her apartment. More concerning, however, were the reported scratches officers saw on Doug's face when they arrived at the scene. While theories and speculation began swirling, a statewide search for Lisa Ow began with thousands of missing persons flyers being distributed all around Oahu Island. Things came to an abrupt end, however, just 10 days later, when Lisa's body was found inside a ravine near Tantalus Drive. Finding her in a mountainous wooded area, one with no streetlights to light her way, and with her clothing stripped from her body, police immediately ruled out suicide I moved her case from the missing persons unit to the homicide department. Unfortunately, despite countless attempts by various medical experts, Lisa's cause of death was never determined, due in large part to the lack of forensic officers on staff at the time, and the level of decomposition. So, because of that, investigators had to rely heavily on the statements of their witnesses, and the state of her abandoned vehicle. Given the fact that her license was missing and her window was rolled down, many started to wonder if she was pulled over the night of her disappearance. That theory was made even more plausible when, after the suspected officer's name was leaked, another woman came forward from the windward side of the island, claiming that this man also pulled her over in an unmarked car outfitted with blue grill lights. With that fear spread throughout the island as women worried that they might be the next victim of a killer traffic stop. In an effort to reassure everyone, the police department put out a message informing women that they did not have to stop for any unmarked car, and eventually, the Honolulu Police Department as a whole banned the flashing lights on their inner grills. Though this helped with the rising fear, investigators were still on the hunt for their police officer suspect a man who also had a sexual harassment complaint filed against him by a woman who did a police ride-along and lived not that far from Lisa's home. For the next year or so, an investigative grand jury heard evidence against this officer, but then-city prosecutor Charles Marsland, for whatever reason, was unable to secure the indictment. Tainting the case, the grand jury's failure to indict enraged many exposed mistakes that the detectives made during the investigation, and discouraged any other prosecutors from taking up the case to try again. To this day, the unnamed police officer has never been convicted, and in the eyes of many, might still be the one responsible for killing Lisa Owl. There is also the idea that the killer was simply posing as a police officer, with witnesses claiming to have seen blue flashing grill lights behind Lisa's car the night of the disappearance. But both theories hinged on the fact that the window was rolled down and Lisa's license was missing. It wasn't until later that they discovered that Lisa had forgotten to pick the card back up after signing a check at the grocery store that she stopped at that night, which meant that their main piece of evidence now sent them directly to a dead end. Three years later, in 1985, the lead detective in the case, Nelson Lum, wrote a sworn statement saying that his, quote, massive and extensive investigation produced no new evidence against the, quote, city employee acting within the course of their employment, thus clearing their years-long suspect. Unhappy with the lack of answers and justice, Lisa's family decided to hire ex-HPD homicide lieutenant Burke Cornell, or Corneal, depending on the source. This man was actually in charge of Lisa's case when it reached the department early on, and he, in the eyes of the family, made the perfect PI to finally uncover the truth. Not only was he the one to expose many of the HPD's errors while investigating the case, but he single-handedly debunked the, quote, killer cop theory altogether by tracking down that license, and he stated his belief that, If basic investigative work had been done, then Lisa's case would have been solved years ago. Claiming the shoddy investigation focused on one theory and in doing so, completely shut the door on the evidence against others. People like Doug Holmes. Starting the investigation completely over, re-interviewing witnesses and tracking down the ones that were missed or simply ignored, it wasn't long before he expressed his doubt about the medical examiner's work on Lisa's body and managed to exhume the remains and move them to Los Angeles for re-examination. When her casket was opened, they found that it was filled with leaves, dirt, and, quote, rubbish. The body was placed in unwashed following the autopsy, and, as a result, the remains were far more decomposed than expected, making it impossible to pinpoint the cause of death. Despite this, the PI kept things moving and found that a security guard at the Makiki apartment building where Doug's sister lived and where Lisa was last seen alive had never been contacted by police during the investigation. Had they done so, they would have heard Thomas Thornburg say that he heard the couple arguing at around 11 p.m. and that he saw Doug drive off after Lisa when she left that night. Doug had told officers in the previous investigation they had gone back to his dorm room. But if this new witness was correct, then Doug lied to the police and had no real alibi. A man who, though he claimed it was because he felt guilt over not driving Lisa back home that night, failed two different lie detector tests. Tracking down another valuable witness, the PI learned that, according to Charlotte Kamaka, in the hours after Lisa went missing, the newspaper delivery driver saw at 2.30 a.m., a man driving past her on Tantalus Drive in a blue car with a female in the passenger seat that, quote, appeared to be asleep or unconscious. When the car made a turn, the girl's head fell limply, and getting a good look at the driver when he passed her a second time, Charlotte saw that he stopped and stared at her, and that's when she noticed that the passenger was now missing. This was the same area where Lisa's body was found on January 31st. After the reports announced the discovery, Charlotte went to the police to report what she saw that night. According to what she told the PI, the officer who took the report wrote down her contact information, but she never got a call back. Though there was evidence that seemed to point at the boyfriend, investigators claimed that Doug had no real motive to kill Lisa. However, according to some of the reports, he was trying to put an end to their relationship. Regardless, decades later, Lisa's parents, Patrice and Chester, both passed away without ever discovering who murdered their beloved daughter. Lisa's sister now fights for answers, but even today, no real progress has been made in the case. Did Doug Holmes get away with murder or was Lisa the victim of a random attack? It's likely that we will never see answers to one of the biggest unsolved mysteries in Hawaiian history. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to A Terrible Thing Happened on January 21st. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon, or just sharing it with your true crime-obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.